Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to Connex, the content experience show. I'm Randy Frisch. Anna's here with me, and we have a, a, a perfect guest this week. I mean, this, this guest was literally bringing the words content experience to us. And, you know, we thought we had to be the ones getting on this podcast on a weekly basis and telling our guests, you know, we got to get them to think about the importance experience. But I I feel like uh, Michael was just bringing that to us today. He's the SVP and chief creative officer for Godfrey, a B2B agency. And Anna, I know you'd seen him speak a lot of times, which is why you were excited to bring him on here. Totally. Yeah. Michael and I know each other through the conference circuit. So he's um, one of those speakers that I see at pretty much every conference I go to and we chit chat here and there. And I've always been a big fan of his stuff. And um, he just does experience so well. And I also follow him on social media. um, And he just does experience so well there as well. So it just was a really natural fit to bring him on. Isn't it funny how as you guys talked in this podcast about always seeing each other at conferences, and I'm going to kind of you know, said a little bit of my background. I was like a summer camp guy. And at summer camp, you always had your summer camp friends. They were different than your city friends. Um, And I feel like at conferences, it's the equivalent of our friends from camp, right? It's like, I can't wait to see you next year at conference circuit, right? And then you just end up bumping into those people. And it's this whole secret society of people that know each other. Yeah, it's just cool to like see people that you're in the industry with, but you don't work with directly and you can talk to. I feel like you get to have a lot more sort of honest, brutal conversations and tips and tricks. The only difference is like you're not hammering out like leather bracelets or weaving any sort of like friendship thing. Right. Like summer camp. This is true. This is true. But, you know, I mean, maybe that's an opportunity untapped, you know, true. Be, be that person who gives out bracelets at, at conferences. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like this podcast at the same time is kind of my, you know, year long conference because, you know, we get to bring people in here every week, pick their brains, hear what they're thinking about. It's kind of those brutal, honest conversations. And today really was that. I, I felt, uh, you know, that, that Michael really challenged us in terms of, What are we doing in our organizations? Are we thinking enough beyond the creation of content to how people will consume it? But not just from a content perspective, he kind of challenged us throughout that entire customer life cycle or the the term he used was customer journey. Yeah. For anybody out there who has either done a customer journey map or has not yet done a customer journey map, this episode really has some great advice on sort of the value for it and how to and even tips and tricks that you can work into your existing customer journey maps. But I'm so glad we finally got to broach this topic because I'm a massive fan of them. Um, And, you know, Randy, you brought up a great point in the conversation, which is that everybody has personas. It's time to take them deeper. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, listen to the end of the podcast. I always like to give people reason to stay to the end and you'll find out, you know, some really great advice on cold brew coffee situations. So if you're trying to figure out what to to drink at the next time you listen to the Connex show, you'll hear from Michael right at the end of this podcast. Until then, why don't we uh, let you bring him in, Anna? Sounds great. 
Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really excited to have you on the show. I'm super excited to be here. I've been a fan of the show for so long and of the Convince and Convert and Greater team. So really happy and appreciative to be here. Yes. Well, we've been a huge fan of you for a long time, too. So to kick us off, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So currently, I run Creative at Godfrey. We are a B2B agency that specializes in mid-market industrial manufacturers. Uh, I help run our creative team of about 35 individuals. Uh, Before that, because this is a relatively recent uh, change, I ran my own agency for about four years uh, called Barber & Hewitt. We were acquired by Godfrey. And before that, I was really lucky in my career from a very early stage, literally the day that I walked out of school, to work for some of uh, the countries, I think some of the best agencies that the country's put out. So just been in the right place at the right time. And um, it's been an incredible, oh man, 14, 15 years of a professional career at this point. Yeah, you've done a ton in those 14, 15 years. So in not only have you obviously done sort of your day-to-day role within your agencies and owning your own agency and your own consultancy. But you are also a notable speaker now. And you've actually been basically at almost every single digital summit this last year, right? Yeah, I sort of fell into speaking. Um, So Jay Bear, who was my first boss out of college, put me on a stage about 11 years ago and said, speak. And my response was, well, what about? I don't know what I'm going to say. And he said, you've got something to say, so speak. Um, But speaking has largely become more of a passion, uh, a real passion over the last two or three years. And I think for me, that passion has extended largely because, I mean, and you guys know this, is that there are hundreds of conferences that are happening at any given year, at any given moment. And all of us marketers are going to these conferences. And I often struggled with, was I getting what I wanted out of spending a day away from the work that would help the work get better? And too often that, that answer was no. And so what I've tried to do is is uh, at least present um, different topics and different perspectives that I didn't see in the conference circuit. And it's been fairly successful. So the last three years have been a real a real ride for that speaking career and something I, I just love to do. So one of the things that I genuinely love and, and what's actually funny is that um, you and I always see each other at conferences. I think this is actually the first time we've talked outside of a conference in like four or five years, right? I'm pretty sure it's been that long. It has. So one of the things that I love is, especially when Randy and I were talking about changing the show from content pros to content experience, you immediately got on the wish list of people to come on board because you really embody experience in pretty much everything that you do, whether it's, you know, from um, speaking, which I'm going to ask you about in just two seconds, to the work that you on a day-to-day basis, to your personal life on social media. But jumping back to that conference experience. So obviously, you know, you kind of got shoved on stage and said, speak. Um, How has that evolved from then to now? Because you receive amazing amounts of praise for the experience that you provide on stage. How does that come about and how did that evolve? This is a really good question. Um, This evolved from thinking about the fact that uh, a lot of us that are on stage are basically saying the same thing, but that that there's many of us that aren't necessarily positioning it in the best way. And I'm not trying to be a critic in that sense. I just mean that a lot of us go to these conferences and we're hearing the same thing, but often it doesn't get the chance to sink in because it's being presented in the same way. Um, and on that experience path is how could we be presenting ideas in, in, you know, potentially way different and in way different angles. And so that's how I've approached speaking over the last few years is how do we say the same things, but in ways that allow it to stick with an audience. And, uh, as an aside, what I learned very quickly is, as you get into this industry as a speaker, 
there is one thing that you have got to be doing, and that is reinvesting in yourself. And so I've had the chance over the last two years to reinvest in myself from a speaking perspective, getting professional help from speaking coaches. And I think more than anything, that has that has been the single uh, biggest change over the last few years is, is I've had the opportunity to go through um, professional coaching as it relates to that speaking, and it's elevated the speaking game. But it's also instilled a level of confidence um, in, in the topics that I present and how I present them and how I get them on stage that I think allows that different perspective to come through in really nuanced ways. That's awesome. And sometimes it just really takes some of that critiquing and, you know, somebody to really take a step back and say, you know, this is kind of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And here's how you could kind of amp it up. Now, a lot of our listeners right now are probably thinking to themselves, well, you know, I'm not necessarily going out to be a professional speaker, but, you know, Michael, one of the things that I think is especially critical in in content experience and just the experience we provide is just even presenting those ideas and thinking about the experience that we provide to our internal team members, even presenting information to um, our audiences. What are some of the biggest tips you found about just creating that experience and making sure our ideas are resonating really clearly like you talked about? For sure. I I don't think that there's a a lack of solid content out there. And there's certainly not a lack of solid amplification tactics that organizations are using, whether we're doing this internally or externally. I think often, and this is the biggest thing thing I often challenge either audience members or our creative team and our strategy team at Godfrey about is what's the experience from end to end, or what's the experience between that amplification point and the actual piece of content that we are trying to get our audience's attention on. And I think too often we forget about the nuances in between, um, whether that's uh, how someone transitions from one platform to the next, or are we speaking the same way from an amplification perspective on any of these places that we're amplifying our content, whether it's owned, earned, or paid you know, channels? And does that experience extend in the same way? Does it resonate in the same way when we when someone gets to that piece of content, whether it's text, video, image, or otherwise, right? Um, is Are we thinking through that experience? Is it a challenging experience? Is there friction between that experience that we could remove? Because if there's anything we've learned over the last few years as marketers is that the, the, ampl- the, the, the just the abundance of channels that we are asking consumers, we're asking normal human beings, us non-marketers, uh, we're asking them to participate in all these different places, and they are willingly doing so, sometimes not. And we often forget that there are so many nuances between that initial, uh, if you will, point of knowledge or that awareness of a piece of content and actually experiencing that content that we don't sort of concern ourselves with. Maybe it's not our job. Maybe we just haven't thought through it. Um, but often it is those points in between that that people struggle with. And so for me, whether I'm on stage or I'm talking with our teams about what we're recommending to clients, it's don't, al- don't also j- nail the piece of content, nail the way that we amplify it to the best of our ability, given the insights we've got, but also think about the in-between because that's where, where, we, where I think we're losing uh, the audiences that we're going after is that in-between experience. Okay, guys. So I've been holding back my comments here, but partly because you guys are, are saying all the things that I'm usually out there having to you know force on people. So it's, it's nice to actually sit back and hear others preach this. Um, it's funny. I mean, we at, where I work on a day-to-day at, at Uberflip when I'm not doing this podcast, you know, we, we actually looked at a framework for this a while back. We saw that a lot of companies were doing just what you said. And we kind of summarized that as people thought about creation. And then the next pillar that they talked about was distribution and then analytics, right? So they had three. So it was create, 
put it out there and then see what's working. And we said exactly what you're saying, which is you're skipping over between creation and distribution, you know, the thought into where are you pulling people back to, right? You know, what is that experience at the end of the day? So I, I couldn't agree more with you, Michael, in terms of everything you're saying here. I, I guess I, what I'd love to get your thoughts on as you work with some of the clients you have over the number of years at agencies is, you know, who in these organizations should be owning that experience. And that's the part that that I find that marketers kind of struggle with because a lot of content marketers were hired to create content um, and a lot of digital people uh, or demand gen were sent were hired to you know syndicate that content. But who in your mind should be owning it? This is a really great question and something I think all of us as organizations have struggled with, even as agencies and, and teams that uh, do this professionally, or at least consult professionally on, there hasn't been a group of individuals inside an organization that's been challenged with how do you own and how do you optimize and how do you ensure that these experiences uh, are frictionless or you know don't cause the users added time or added needs to, to experience that piece of content. Now, in the past, we have largely allowed marketing teams to wait that for those 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 needs, those responsibilities to weigh on their shoulders. The problem is, is that most of those marketing teams aren't challenged or even have the opportunity to make fundamental changes at the organizational level to create um, that opportunity to change what that experience in between those pieces of content uh, might be. Um, now, those walls are starting to break down. And I think more than ever, you're seeing either marketing or organizations go down this customer experience uh, path, if you will, um, with identifying what does that team look like and what are their, 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 their challenges or their calls to action with inside the organization. But it requires an organization that can fundamentally say, hey, we need someone to understand the nuances in between these experiences and then have the power within the organization both deliberately and explicitly within the organization to be able to make changes within any parts of the organization that could help create those more frictionless experiences. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you dropped a, a big one there, which is this idea of customer experience teams. And I, and I want to be able to dig in deeper to that. So we're going to have a quick pause here to hear from some of our sponsors on Connex. And then we'll be right back to dig into what Michael means by a customer experience team. This episode of The Content Experience is brought to you by Lightboard, a new kind of graphic design team dedicated to B2B marketing. Have you ever struggled with flaky freelancers or expensive agencies? Lightboard's the answer. In fact, at Convince and Convert, we've worked with them for the last couple of years and we love Lightboard. We turn to them to make ebooks, banner ads, logos, and even our holiday card. The reason why it's so good is because they have experienced designers and account managers who take the time to know and actually understand our brand, and they knock it out of the park every time. They're quick, they're easy to work with, and they deliver great quality with super reasonable pricing. We highly recommend checking out lightboard.io slash convince for graphic design. Again, that's lightboard.io slash convince. We're back on Connex with Michael Barber talking all about content experience and specifically Michael dropped this idea of who would own that experience and you suggested some orgs are going as far as having customer experience teams. Can you tell us a little bit more about that or maybe even an example of a company you've seen doing this well? For sure. So what I mean by a customer experience team is someone that can challenge fundamentally two things. 
one, what is the actual way that customers are experiencing the organization? So that in, that individual or that team has the charge to understanding how do customers uh, and prospects get to know us as an organization? What do they experience as they build that awareness uh, for us uh, or around our organization, I should say? What are the things that help them make those buying decisions that they are actually going to fill in a form or buy a particular piece of product or call an account rep or make that first step? Then what's the experience from that particular prospect as they get to know our organization? How does that conversion happen? How do they become a customer? And then what's the experience after that relationship with the customer from that point of purchase for the lifetime that we are doing business with them? So the first charge is getting to know that customer on uh, from, from an external perspective. The second charge that you often see that makes these teams successful is that they are able to go into any part of the organization. This could be marketing, e-com, web, supply chain, R&D, and understand how all those parts of the organization can fix these experience issues with with, with how those customers experience um, that company. So it's really a two-part challenge that we often see. It's a, it's a power to be able to understand customers really well externally, and it's the power to be able to go in and understand where are the pain points within the organization internally and be able to lead change within those parts of the organization. You know, I was listening to you at the first part of that, and I was like, well, I don't get why this wouldn't just fall under marketing. But then as you got into the deeper part, once we get into post-sale, once we get into all these other orgs, it does get pretty complicated to think, okay, well, marketing should own all of that. Yeah, it's too challenging. Uh, we are, cha- as a marketing team, we are often challenged with so many parts of uh, the funnel, for lack of a better term of describing this. But the funnel doesn't fundamentally touch unless we look, I mean, the funnel, I should say, touches all parts of an organization that we aren't charged with and don't have any responsibilities around. Um, and so for for marketing to be challenged, unless they are actually, you operate, operationalize this as an enterprise organization and say, marketing also owns this idea of customer experience, then fundamentally they can't go in and make change. They don't have the, the, power, tr- the power structure, the dynamics within most organizations to make that change. Why this has worked well for organizations to bring in or at least augment or build a customer experience team is it allows those organizations to fundamentally say these are the people or the players that are charged with helping these experiences and gives them the responsibility to make change within the organization. And whether that's a pivot of slicing off part of the marketing team and charging them with those sorts of tasks around experience, or whether it's bringing in someone that can help build a team around experience Organizations fundamentally have to just say, hey, these are the individuals that are that are responsibility for it, and here's their charge within it. Otherwise, stuff just does not get done. You know, it's so funny. I love hearing sort of your take on this because I, I totally agree. And one of the things that I've seen most is that the marketing department or anybody in charge of marketing or advertising, it's so frustrating for them to sit back and say, okay, we can we can set this up and knock it out of the park. But then on the back end, we're really struggling with how to operationalize this and how to really weave it through. What has been some of your experiences and maybe even some advice that you have for marketers out there who are struggling with the operations side to really get it consistent and cohesive for that customer experience? What are some tips you have for them for even approaching um, those on the operation side, or even how to start making this change internally? Two tips. One, you have got to build some sort of uh, group of customers that you can have honest and brutal conversations with. Um, you know, we've, we've heard this for years as marketers. It's like, go out and experience what your customers do. You know, if you're a retailer, go into the store and see what happens. If you are a, if you are an online, if you're a .com only, 
watch a customer go through your site. There are any number of tools that can help you do that. Um, you know, do that sort of augmented research that allows you to understand those instances. But, but fundamentally, you have to understand where customers and specifically different types of customers, how they interact with your organization. And when I say different types, I'm talking about someone that has no understanding of who you are, but also who are the people that spend potentially 10 or 20% more with you? And what are they doing differently? What's their experience that's different that you could be affecting those customers that aren't spending that much with you and hopefully challenge and figure out what is it that gets them to come back and then reinforce those opportunities with customers that may not be spending that that additional 10 or 20%, right? So it's fundamentally getting to know a group of customers at different and how they experience your organization, uh, depending upon if they are a potential prospect, all the way through those organizations that are uh, those customers that are very loyal to us and spend additional dollars. What is driving those nuances with us? And then two is really, really taking the time to map that journey. And I know this is something that everyone will say, but I don't think enough organizations do a really good job of really understanding what are the nuances of that journey at at any given moment, whether that person is a potential customer or whether that person is spending 10 to 20% more with us on any given year. And what is the experience that they're having that allows you to really fundamentally understand what are those parts and pieces that they're touching? What are the differences that they experience that cause them to either become a customer or not? What are the pain points that they experience? And it's not just online. I think too often when we cut, when we talk about journey, it gets siloed into the, the digital team or the online team. The problem is, is that no customer thinks in terms of offline or online. They are just fundamentally trying to solve a problem. So what are those things that help them solve that problem to become a customer? And what are the things we're doing as an organization to help them spend more? And I think if we can understand those two nuances really, really well, we can begin to break down some of these places where we have opportunities um, and where we're doing things right as well. I think this is like the evolution exactly of everything that we're talking about, right? When you think about this idea that we have to get beyond just creating content, it's almost as though when we were talking about creating content, we were all obsessed with personas, right? You know, like it was do you know who you're writing for? But now that we're talking about, you know, to Michael's point, how do we use content or what's that experience? Now we have to think about how those personas actually engage with us over time. And I think that's, it just speaks to the evolution of, of having to think of more complexity. And personally, this is the stuff keeping me up at night these days. You know, Michael, I couldn't agree with you more, especially on the customer journey mapping. I'm a massive fan of customer journey mapping. I think it is so underutilized. And to Randy's point where, you know, people really are catching up and have personas now really mapping that customer experience, I would just request that everybody out there doing a customer customer journey map, please, for the love of God, throw out the funnel when you are mapping your customer journey, because it is not about your funnel. It's a, literally about your customer's journey and the steps that they are taking to get to you and even beyond. Um, but yes, Michael, I, I completely agree with you 100%. And I think what's interesting is you, you touched on something there just really quickly, Anna, around this idea of personas. And I really love the idea of building personas. I think sometimes we let them uh, we let them dictate a lot of things for us. And unfortunately, there's only so much time in the day to nail different personas with our organization. When the reality of the fact is that everyone that is touching your 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 organization as a customer is its own persona. The the way I see where we're going is that the the tools and the platforms that we're creating uh, as organizations, whether you're an agency or or a piece of software, is we're going to have to fundamentally understand that eventually we will get to a point where we are building 
thousands of different persona types based on the behaviors that we see from customers. Now, it's really hard to scale right now, but that's the path we're going down is how do we create an individualized experience based on what we know about these people, either inherently first party data, you know, third party data and research, those sorts of things, because this idea of having, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 personas is limiting in uh, in, in respective to do we develop things that allow us to be very personalized for that individual customer that is trying to do business with us or, or, or is continuing to do business with us? Yeah, absolutely, Michael. It's, uh, it's such a good point to keep in mind. And you know, one of the stats that I probably overuse is, is the one from Gartner and CEB that talks about, in, in B2B at least, which is I know where you focus at Godfrey, it's, it's that uh, there's about 6.8 people weighing into the evaluation of a, of a solution. Um, so to your point, how do we even comprehend connecting with each of those, let alone creating enough content for each of those different personas. And to your point, uh, you know, that's going to be how we have to adapt as organizations to get more and more personal. So it's a really interesting topic. I feel like we're, we're setting up uh, the sequel to have you back on this podcast because we are just about at a time. But talking about getting personal, what we're going to do, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to bring it right back. Anna's going to get to know a little bit more about Michael behind the scenes. Stick around right here on Connex. All right, Michael. So I was giggling a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know if you realize you said this, but you actually referred to non-marketers as normal humans. And I think that's hilarious because I agree with you entirely. Um, so let's get to know you as a normal human. So we've gotten to hear a ton of amazing information from you as a marketer. Now it's time for normal Michael human side. Um, so as I mentioned before, you do this amazing um, thing where you create an Basically, your entire life from professional to personal is an experience. And anybody that follows you on social knows you travel nonstop, right? I do. Yeah, it's, it's not only just for work, but it's a passion. I've, I was lucky enough to grow up with parents that took us places. And it's something that's just continued into my adulthood. I just love uh, experiencing new cultures and having those random interactions with people that you don't think you're going to have. Agreed entirely. I mean, travel is amazing, both personal and professional. You also spend a lot of time at the airport, which is probably the, speaking of friction, the place where everybody experiences the most friction as a traveler. What is your number one piece of advice for getting to and through the airport alive? Oh, wow. Uh, breathe. Uh, you know, you are going on any given moment. It doesn't matter if you're, you're, a, you're a new traveler or you don't travel that often or whether you are, you know, executive platinum, diamond, gold star status. The, the airport is just a really challenging place. And I think if we just stepped back and go, we are not in control of this situation. We would often be okay with the nuances of everything that happens inside of an airport. And coincidentally, as, as a marketer, I love the airport because you can sit back and see this, as I, as I call it, this normal human behavior um, that you don't often see. It amplifies all, all the things we want to know as marketers. How do people react with stress? How do they deal with these sorts of situations? What are the pain points? People get really, really truthful at the airport about what they're struggling with with an airline or the TSA or day-to-day -day things 
things that are going on in their lives. There's just something happens when we walk into an airport that we let that guard down. So it's a really just microcosm example of of where you should be paying attention to people when you are in this industry. Absolutely. Like being, being a loved airline is like having like the worst child ever and having to, you know, and, and really being able to keep them under control, right? It's just a uh, mission impossible. So you also, I know from your Instagram stories, love coffee, like with a passion. What is the absolute best cold brew you've ever had? Because I know you have a preference for cold brew. Bananas, hands down, there is no argument here. It is still and forever will be cartel in Phoenix. Uh, this was a tiny little shop that opened as a roaster about 10 years ago and blossomed into an eight or nine location uh, uh, operation around Arizona. There's one in the airport. If I have an opportunity to make a stop and have to do a layover somewhere, it will always be Sky Harbor because it is right next to gate C-13. They have uh, been brew- They've been doing cold brew since you called it an ice toddy, and it is just spectacular. Uh, so if you're gonna if you're gonna experience the best cold brew in the world, you got to get to one of the hottest cities in the world, that being Phoenix. Beauty. Well, listen, Michael. I, I know another one of your uh, cravings is donuts, and I'm gonna you know without even asking you what your favorite donut brand is, I'm gonna tell you that if you like donuts, you and those listening to this podcast should listen to a previous recording with Kelly O'Brien from Krispy Kreme, where we talked all about content for donuts, which I think needs to be your next client uh, in some sort of way. I know you're B2B focused, but if you can get a donut client, then I mean, just imagine all the perks and the benefits of all that travel. Yeah, exactly. The, the only the, the side perk being uh, I would have to work out twice as hard because I would be stuffing my face with these donuts on a regular basis. Life is all about balance. It's all about balance. It is. Listen, Michael, this, this has been great. It's it's been a ton of fun to have you on the podcast here. You know, encourage everyone to check out you know the the group that Michael's with at Godfrey.com. Uh, on behalf of Anna Rack at Commits and Convert, I'm Randy Frisch at Uberflip. This has been. In Connex, the content experience show. You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. These days, anywhere you can find your podcast, let us know when possible what we can do to make this more engaging. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.